I'll give you I'll give you somewhat of my testimony a little bit, which will which will help. My you know my my parents are Cuban, you know, and of course you knew that they came from Cuba, and all my life I grew up hearing the stories, you know. As a kid, I hated it, you know the the things they went through, the change, um, the, see their country. I tell you what, it became surreal for me, um, and and you know kind of going back and forth, you know, growing up hearing it is one thing. But then realizing it, how it affected your parents and how how um, it changed their lives, um, uh, you know, just and it was a baseball game. We went to a baseball game in Zebulon. Uh, I managed to get tickets for them. Someone had given me tickets for uh, the U.S. and Cuban national teams were playing. And so, um, I, you know, I surprised my mom and dad. And, and they went, you know, being Cubans, a big baseball fan. So especially my dad. So they went to uh, we went to this baseball game, and dude, when they raised the Cuban flag and started the Cuban national anthem, it you know I still get a little bit choked up seeing my parents just cry mm. and start to to weep, you know, um, you know that that kind of kind of hit home, you know, just just kind of hit home in a sense of. You know, like my, my dad has no desire to go back to Cuba. He says, that's not the Cuba I knew. Um, you know, and it's kind of like what we're going through. There's a change in the air in the U.S. to me. Um, and, 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 you know, what I remember seeing my parents. And, and I remember thinking that day when I saw them weep, when they saw the Cuban flag, because you won't find a bigger patriot than my father for the United States. You know my dad. And uh, he is, I mean, he is a patriot. He loves his country. He instilled that in me, instilled that in my kids. Um, my mom, too. My mom took a longer, longer while to get adjusted to the U.S., but but she is a, she, you know, she's a, and, and to them, they're, they're really, it's, it's, it's Cuba 2.0 for them now. You know, it's, it's a, a reliving and, and just seeing that, because they say, we see the change. And that's what we went through. You know, so take me back. Yesterday when we were on the phone, you said that when your parents were young, living in Cuba, it sounded good. It was. It, it was so good. Take me yeah. back to that. What What was it that sounded good, and when did they come to the realization that uh, something's wrong here? Cuba had a lot of influence from the United States, and it wasn't negative. I mean, of course, you had, you know, probably something, but the United States was very much a big contributor of Cuba. Uh, economically, um, you know, even some culturally, and baseball was bought by the U.S. Um, you know, uh, there there's a lot of things that my dad said. You know, the, the Cuba was one of the most modernized, uh, you can say, uh, uh, Latin American countries because of the U.S. Um, they had they had Bell South, they had Palmolive, they had all the all the companies there, Hershey. Uh, chocolate was trying to develop uh, cocoa plantations. He was literally doing a little Hershey, Pennsylvania village, trying to do that in Cuba with the cocoa plants. He was buying property and buying and building houses, and he would put his workers, let them have those houses. That'd be their land, their house, uh, kind of, kind of like a Hershey, Pennsylvania. That's what he wanted to do. But with, and there's and they still have it. There's a trolley system. Um, and that Hershey, you know, built. So you had a lot of American American influence, but the anti-American, which is communistic and socialistic, 
or against capitalism or like, oh, the Americans, this, that, and the other, you know, just give you a background. My mom came from a, you know, they were probably the richer family. My father was probably uh, middle class. Um, you know, my, you know, my, well, my grandfather worked, he was, a he was, a um, he was on a rail railroad in Cuba and my, uh, my, uh, my mom's side, he had two bodegas, you know, stores and they had a ranch and he had a house and, uh, he was, they were well off, you know, they were, they were pretty well off. So I came, you know, the spectrum of my family, but, but yeah, my parents growing up, they said, yeah, it was good. You know, my father, when he was in college. He worked for Bell South. They paid for his college and guaranteed him a job. You know, it was an American company, you know, and when communism hit that, it's over, you know, it's gone, you know. And so, um, yeah, they had some things. The, 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 my mom made a statement, not, you know, and I remember hearing her say this. She said, she said that Fidel Castro was our, was our um, Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. You know, she was the one that that uh, that God used to to humble us. You know, and, and you know, and that's uh that's one of the things. You know, I you know we kind of talked about yesterday spiritual. I, I think God allows things to happen. You know, so you know that people realize. You know, you know that we we need Him. You know, that's the bottom line. The political and the spiritual, I think, do come together to a point. You know, we're seeing that here, you know, we're seeing that here. Yeah. You have Democrats that want to kick the chaplains out of the military. Um, you know, they don't want that. They don't think it's a need for that. You know, we're, we're living in a time where people don't want the spiritual, you know, and that's a breeding ground for communism, socialism, you know, because it's humanism, basically. So that's, well, it, it seems like to me that it, all these promises and all, all of these things are, are like you said, trying to take the place of God. It's like, yeah. it's like, this is going to be our savior. This is going to be the answer to our problems. This is going to be the solution. And like you said, you know, it sounds appealing, but what, what is the Trojan horse, you know, that, that they, that they use to bring into. Yeah. My, my mom, you know, my parents said when Fidel took over, he he was smart, and it's kind of like I think you know, um, kind of like now, you know, she said Fidel didn't claim himself as a communist, but he he talked about equality, he talked about the the distribution of of wealth, he talked about good things. You know, everybody, you know, we'll have a we'll have an equal society. You know, it's kind of like now, you know, they, they started the class warfare, you know, you always had the poor. She said, you know, like I said, my my parents came from two different spectrum. My, my father was a middle class. My mom was was she was rich, you know, um, and, you know, you knew that, you know, and you had different, you know, and Cuba was kind of like the U.S., a little melting pot. You had uh, you had blacks, you had whites, you had Asians, you had, um, you know, within the Latino, you know. Uh, you, you had a, a little melting pot. She said you had diversity, you know, with on it, and then they had their own culture. Sometimes, you know, you had some, she, like she would say, there were some restaurants or some clubs that were, that were, uh, were, were black, you know, and and some were white. And she said, but but it wasn't because, like in America, it was because no, you were not allowed to come in here. You're not. It was just the way it was. But he started exploiting that. He started, 
he started, uh, you know, the class warfare um, and all this. And so it, it was interesting. It's kind of, and that's what they say. They said, we're seeing, that's why it's Cuba 2.0 for them, seeing it now. Um, the same thing, you know, uh, changing the history uh, that we want to rewrite things. We want a progressiveness. We want to, you know, and so Fidel didn't claim himself that way. He just kind of slowly, you know, said, hey, you know, equality, uh, you know, we want the distribution of wealth. We want people to have opportunity. We have, and, and the opportunity didn't come with, with the opportunity. You know, my, my dad said a statement I think is true. He said the U.S. is not a great country because you get free things. The U.S. is a great country because you have opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, and what they do is they offer free things that are the opportunity. But like you said, what what, what at what cost? You know. You know, government doesn't make money, you know, government just spends money. So, you know, and that's, and that's, you know, that's the way Fidel started. And then when he took power, he took away the guns, which is interesting, you know, and he took away guns, you know, immediately. And then he claimed himself communist, Mm. totalitarian. And the Russians came in and everything else. And it was just, you know, that's the way he, but it was a gradual. He didn't, he didn't claim himself communist immediately. My parents were on board with him. So, you know. This isn't something that they read about in a history book. This is something they actually lived. Oh, they lived through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom taught in the classroom. She can still quote today the, uh, the uh, communist uh, little manifesto. They, she had a chant to the students. Um, mm-hmm. basically, I'll give you, I don't remember it word for word, but basically it says this. Um, we believe in no God. We believe in no church. We believe in no savior uh we believe in ourselves and our own uh own will you know you know it's just humanist basically humanism, yeah. humanism is just basic humanism you know you know humanism one of the things that has concerned me about and i know we haven't talked about this beforehand but um about the black lives matter organization not not the concept that Black Lives Matter, because I think every decent human belie- being believes that Black Lives Matter. But I'm talking about the organization itself. Yeah. The organization itself um, has um, promoted a philosophy of uh, critical race theory, which does not deal with the problem, the heart problem of racism. And therefore it comes to the wrong conclusion about what the solution is. And I think that's very much like socialism and communism. Well, it it does not deal with the heart problem of greed or the heart problem of um, selfishness, and therefore it comes to the wrong conclusion of the solution to these things. And the cool. solution in their mind is, okay, we're going to take, we're going to redistribute wealth, we're going to make everybody quote-unquote equal, but the problem is you haven't dealt with a problem of greed and selfishness, and, exactly. and only God can solve that problem. That's right, because right, you don't deal with human nature, you control, you know, you control it's power. It's basic power. Because if you if you think about it, it, it it's it's humanistic, and, and humans are gonna are gonna do what humans do. 
you know, they're, 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 you know, it's greed. We're going to think about ourselves. And so that that's the basic philosophy. I, I'll give you a story I, I think I admire, and it shows what the basis of U.S. history is. Yeah, sure. The U, has the U.S. been a perfect country? No, Lord, no. We've had our issues, you know. Um, you know, from I mean, you, you quote it. We did the Indians ugly, you know. We we you know, uh, slavery, uh, Jim Crow laws, you know. Um, we we you know we're we're not. But but I think the difference in our country is is what we're based on. And what the populace was, you know, centered on, you know, George Washington, I remember reading this many years ago, and I believe it's factual, I think it's true. Um, George Washington, when America was conceived, uh, basically, one day, a group of generals said, hey, you march on Washington, take over, and we'll back you. And he said, no. He said, let us go through our pains and let's pray that God's grace will help us be able to, to grow as a nation. You know, and I thought about that. And you think about, I think about what my culture, my parents came out of, you know, Latin America, it's quick. Yeah. He that had the soldiers won the power, you know, Venezuela, you know, Chavez was smart, you know, he had the military, but he knew I can stay in there because there's nobody going to drive me out. I have the military, you know, and, and we've been set up to where that doesn't happen yet you know so you know and and that, and but that that shows you the birthing pains we went through but we had men that had character to say no i'm not doing that i'm not going to change what will work for expediency you know you know of now to to resolve you know put a band-aid on something i know will work in, in years to come you know let us go through our our pains let us go through our you know because it was a rough time and that's why those generals said march on washington take order and we'll back you, you know. Interesting. Yeah. So your parents, you said your parents are seeing some similarities of mm -hmm. what's happening in our nation now yeah. compared to what they went through when they were yeah. in Cuba. What What are some of those similarities? Well, I want to go back to the, we, we talked about BLM in a sense, but did you ever look up their website? Yes. Okay. I mean, if you notice, it was typical and, and their founders are, are trained Marxists. Right. And so that that's, you know, it, it's it, it smoke and mirrors. You know, they say one thing, but they do another like Fidel. Fidel would do one thing, say, yeah, I want a constitution. I want freedom. I want equality. I want, you know, you, you throw out the pretty words they want, but they don't give you substance to what they are. And so it's the same thing. And th that's the similarities you're seeing. You know, I, I wasn't a big Trump fan. I'm, and I'm still not in a sense. I, I'm really not. I'm a registered independent, you know, I, I'm not, but one thing I can say he did do, he rattled the dog's cage and bought out who they are. I think people are realizing, you know, amongst, especially the democratic party, I don't think not all of them, but I, I think the majority are very much, you know, um, on board with this progressive, you know, you know, socialist movement, you know, and he rattled their, their, their cage and it's, you know, and showed who, who they really are. You know, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of show the, you know, what, what it is, and and I think that's that's what it is. It's smoke and mirrors. That's the similarities. What mom said. You see, they 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 like chaos. Out of chaos, they can. But that's out of you know straight out of communism. You know, um, you know if you read uh, Marxism or Leninism, especially Lenin talked about don't obey the law. You know, they don't want law and order. You know. 
that because out of chaos they can take control because what happens if you have chaos well somebody's got to take control somebody's got you know somebody's gonna somebody's gonna control you know and so that's why the attack on police that's why the attack on this that's why the attack on on everything because you what you do is you you, you rattle away at the establishment at, at you know what we're founded on you know and so and i think that's what my parents see that similarity you know the toppling of statues the the, the you know the you know my mom talked about how she never then you know in havana you didn't see the flat out war they fought it more in the mountains but you would see bombings or you would see guys that would uh, you know just do chaotic stuff just to break the law and so the regime would press down on them hard you know and so because you know something has to you know you got to have order you know yeah. and so they they breed off of chaos they they like chaos because that's where they take control you know yeah. So as a law enforcement officer yourself, you, I mean, you see things from all these different perspectives. You see it from your parents' perspective and hearing stories growing up. Now yeah. you see it from a law enforcement perspective. You yeah. see it from a minority perspective. I feel like mm -hmm. you, you can shed a lot of light on what some of us, uh, for lack of a better term, what some of us ignorant white boys don't see. <laughs> well, I, I think the problem we got too, man, is, is the fact of, uh, you know, p people, you have justice, you have social justice, you know, hmm. and there's a big difference, you know, um, justice is basically saying, you know, someone has done wrong before the law, you know, and they should pay. And you know, remember the old statue of justice with a blindfold? Yep. And that's the way it should be, you know. Uh, you know, but now as a law enforcement officer, I can show grace with a guy. If I pull somebody for speeding, I have a choice. I can give them a warning. Or I can give them a ticket, you know, uh, you know, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about because now what they're doing is they, they use these kids. Some of these kids that are, that are, that they have put promoted as this, you know, the justice, they're criminals, they're criminals. And I'm not trying to be ugly. They're not Rosa Parks that was, you know, standing for something that was just, you know, they're criminals. They're, they're criminals that did wrong, you know. I think the justice system we should have is is people, you know. There, there's a I, I like there's a story I like, and they have it on. I'm trying to find this book, but I remember reading about years ago. I cannot think about it, who it was. He was a black black marshal um, back in back in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. And he had a saying, he said, well, there's no law and order, there's no freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. And you think about it, he was a he was a deputy marshal during the time of where he probably had limits, but he was willing to do the law and do what was right. Because he realized that law and order are important, you know. Um, and what, what I think sometimes they do is people uh, use these kids, well, he grew up, you know, he grew up in a rough environment. He grew up in a, in, in a rough part of town. He grew up in this. He grew up with this. He didn't have this opportunity. And, and that's why he should. I, I'm for that. Help him out. And I've, I've tried to help kids out. But if you do wrong, you do wrong. And you got to pay the price, you know. And, you know, and, and what will be the price, you know. And, and, and so that's, that's the thing I see. We, we've, we, we're blinding justice for social justice that, that is not 
it's not helping. It's not helping a society. You know, sometimes, you know, Ronald Reagan said this. He said, um, he, he said, we need to quit blaming society every time somebody break, breaks the law and put, put the responsibility on the individual, you know. Yes, maybe he did not have the opportunities other people have. But from that up, from how many people have gotten, you know, have, have, have risen up from bad opportunities and done well, you know. I, I know a lot of deputies that grew up in the rough part of town. I know a lot of cops that, that grew up with one mom, you know, you know, single parent home. You know, I knew I knew cops that grew up in in in, in, in rough streets, but they're but now they're successful because they made choices, you know. And I know some of them that made bad choices as young kids. They made bad, and they'll tell you that, dude. I made some bad choices when I was younger, but I let those rough moments and those moments of when that, that cop put handcuffs on me and that cop threw me in jail. I learned and I said, I don't want to go down this road, you know? And so that's where we're at now, but now we were, you know, if we're not careful, we'll coddle people, you know? Um, and, you know, sometimes it's not the law and, you know, and I believe there's, there needs to be, I think law enforcement officers should be trained, you know? Um, and I'm for that more training, more, um, more accountability. I'm fine with that. I think we also have body cams. I think we also had videos. I think it helps me to be accountable because I'm human. You know, I get, I get impatient with people, you know, um, and it helps me to be accountable as much as the person, you know, the accountability about what's the truth, what's, what really happened. You know, so. So we could, we could talk and debate all day long about what the problems are and, and, and the issues, but let's talk about a couple of the solutions. What can, as a, you know, a believer in Christ, we understand that to some degree our world is not going to, you know, because of human depravity and, and, and closer to the return of Christ, our world is not going to get as a whole better. But what can we do as believers to be a part of the solution rather than part of the problem? Well, I, I think the, you put it down on the head is the gospel. You know, it's the gospel. You know, there was a French philosopher who came years ago to the United States you know, before the French Revolution that failed, unfortunately, because it was human based. And they, you know, and, he, and, he's, and when he studied America, he said, what, what do you think made America so great? He said, said, America has many churches. America has many good churches. He said, when America stops having churches, America will fail. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the truth to that. I think the church, I think the solution is the gospel. I really do. I believe that with all my heart. You know, it is, it is, it is the solution of everything. You know, um, it's permeated through us, you know, and you can't run away from the history of that. I think that's something that will help us get back to a biblical view of of, of, of who God is and what, what he did for what he's done for us. I'm not saying we should have like should be a Baptistic, you know, uh, but, you know, in a sense, you know, one one denomination. But but we got to realize we are founded in, a, in in Christian principles. That's that's what our country was founded on. And Christian principles and, and something that 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 that's the solution to me, you know, to go back to the foundation that we're, we were founded on, you know, uh, on those principles. I mean, you look at most of our documents, we have the Ten Commandments or we have some scripture verse scrolled on there um, and, and things like that. Are there things I think we ought to change? Yeah, I do. I really do. Um, you know, uh, it, it, especially in our past and stuff in the, you know, in our history, but I think that is the bottom line of everything. 
you know. Um, I've got a book called Annuals of America, and I love it. It's most speeches and uh, the foundation documents of our country. And you'd be amazed if you sit there and scroll through how, where, they, where scripture is quoted or God is quoted or Jesus or, or something is quoted. And it's all through our history. And you can't separate that from us because if you become an all moral uh, government, um, you know, you kick God out, then what is your basis of morality, you know? Something's going to fill that void. It's going to be human nature and everybody's going to do what's right in their own eyes. It's going to be the book of Judges, you know, because yeah. what's right for you is not right for me, you know, and something's, somebody's going to dictate right, you know, what, what, what's right. If your dad, your mom could sit down with a young person who would be willing to listen to what they had to say, uh, in regards to this issue of socialism and, and of course the gospel ultimately changed their lives. Mm -hmm. What do you think, what do you think would be some things that they would tell them? Ooh, man. Things that you heard growing up. Me growing up. Well, number one, just, just the basic principles of things, not just the gospel. You remember my parents got saved later in life, but their, their spiritual journey was kind of neat. Um, but my dad always put this in me, you know, he says, you work for what you have, you know, you work, you know, well, I think we've lost a little bit of the work ethic, you know, amongst the young people, um, you know, and I, I did too. My parents did a typical Latino thing here, you know, they wanted me to have things they didn't have, but that, I'm thankful that, you know, my dad made me get a job at 15 and, um, you know, and, and, I, and I'm glad, you know, to have a work ethic. I think that is something that he felt like to have to to get to earn what you 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 that's yours you know that's the biggest thing you know I think um, if you you talk about societal wise you know of course personal and spiritual I think is the gospel of course you know it's kind of neat because one of the first people my my parents my my mom and dad remember when they came to Charlotte North Carolina they came from literally they went from um, Mexico, when they came from Cuba, they came to Mexico, from Mexico to Miami. Miami, they stayed a little bit. Had an aunt, great aunt that lived in Charlotte area. She was a professor at Wingate. And so dad's like, well, we'll just go up there. And mom had a chance to study and, and, and you know, because they, they started all over again. My mom and dad studied in Cuba, and, but they're, you know, they're, they're literally starting their life all over again. So they came to Charlotte, North Carolina, he said, and we were sitting in an apartment. He said that we had nothing. We had boxes. That was it. He said, the first people to knock on our door was a little couple or two couples, the greens. And I forgot the other. And I met him years ago that had a Bible and an English Spanish dictionary. He said, Tico, he said, I didn't know what they wanted. They couldn't talk to me. We were trying to talk to them, but we ended up developing a relationship. He said, and I know they were trying to give me the gospel that day, but the language barrier, he said, they helped me. They gave me, they gave us clothes. They gave us furniture. They gave us things to help us just to get on our feet, you know, and I think that's what made, you know, this country so great to, for my dad. People gave you help, you know, he says, not free, but help to give me a leg up so yeah. that I could work and do things so I can learn. You know, the Greens helped them get a job. They helped them, you know, just, you know, try to get on his feet as, as, a, as a foreigner that came to this country and had nothing, you know. And didn't even know the language. You know. We can so, learn a lot from that. Yep. 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 A lot from that. Yep. 
Well, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to share that story with us about your parents and what you've learned from observing them through the years and the concerns that we all have about some things that we see happening in our country. And, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you. it's a prayer, dude. God's on the throne. That's what I tell people, you know, yes. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to fret. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, you know, it's a matter who's on the throne in heaven. You yes. know, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, you know, biblically, you look at Paul and all those guys, they, they, they were under some horrific governments, you yeah. know, and the gospel still prevailed. It's like I told my dad, my mom and dad are very depressed about what's going on in the U.S. And, and I told mom this, I said, mom, you know, I've gone to Cuba. The gospel's still alive. You know, that's what counts. That's the most important thing. You know, the gospel's still there, you know, and, and you're not going to stop it. You know, we may lose our houses. We may lose the, you know, our two cars and, you know, in our, you know, our big home and in, in the suburbs, I said, but, but God's on the throne. Yes. You know, that's the most important thing, you know, and it's to remind us, you know, this place is in our home, dude. That's right. We're here forever. So, so that's, that's the most important thing to me. Yeah. That's, we got to remember that. Yep. It's easy to, to lose that perspective and get distracted with other things, but we got to yeah. remember that. For sure. yeah, Trump's not my savior, neither is Biden, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> None of them are. Yeah, that's right. 